Get out of here, Randy. Go, yeah. Go, go, go. <laughs> All right. Good morning, Reach Church. All right, so if kids want to head out now, they can head to Reach Kids. Now is the time. All right. So we're glad to talk about Happy Life. Uh, it's a great ministry. Last week, we actually talked about how we're meant to, to use the, the things that we have acquired, the things that God has given us, not just to, to, seek justice, just to seek justice and to give grace to people, to give mercy to those who need it. And this is kind of our corporate way of doing that, to to bless those who haven't earned anything, but who, uh, who've received the love of Christ uh, as an act of grace. So it's a joy to remember that. Now, uh, with the kind of tone of justice and the theme of justice, uh, we go to this, this next week. And today we're talking on the ninth commandment. The ninth commandment, you shall not bear false witness. You shall not bear false witness. Now, we can think of this commandment largely as the the do not lie commandment. The do not lie commandment. Uh, that's how we tend to think about it. Uh, but, but as you look at this commandment and how it's fleshed out in Scripture, we see that it, it's that's kind of kind of missing the the point a little bit. That when this command starts to get fleshed out and, and is talked about in the Bible, it's not so much talking about like lying and the philosophy of lying. That's often where these kind of things go. And you get questions like, well, if, if I were standing in front of Hitler and trying to protect the Jews, like, do I lie or not? Um, all right, that's not really the questions we're going to be answering here. Uh, and probably not situations you're going to be in every day. Uh, so we're going to talk about the, the everyday things. The everyday things, ways that we can actually um, justly judge people and how we can be faithful witnesses. That God is seeking not just, uh, he's trying to, trying to give justice to his people. We saw the commandments last week. It was built upon the fact that, that God had given justice to Israel, had saved them from oppression. And in that same vein, God is trying to protect the justice of the people through, through the courts, through the system of justice that he has put in place. And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the original context, kind of the, the very kind of like the courts, how it worked in the ancient world. We're going to talk about how that relates to our everyday life, because it does. And third, we're going to talk about how Jesus upholds justice. How is he on the mission of giving justice to his people and changing the system of justice that we have in place? So that's the, that's the goal. Uh, pray with me and we'll jump in. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that this system of justice is upheld um, not by us, but by, by Jesus Christ himself. That he is uh, the protector of justice. He is the true judge and he is the true witness. And Father, I ask that as we receive this commandment, we would see our sin, we would repent, and we would look with, uh, with greater joy upon Jesus. Father, would you help us by Jesus to fulfill this commandment? Would you give us freedom to do so? For the joy and for the glory of your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so starting with this, uh, this original context. So it, this commandment does not say, thou shalt not lie. It says, thou shalt not bear false witness. This is talking to, to witnesses in the courts. To witnesses in a, in a court of law. <coughs> All right, so 
So what is the ancient, what is the ancient Near East, what does this look like to do justice? All right, it's pretty simple, pretty simple. There's only two parties here. All right, there's the judge and there's the witnesses. That's the whole system, that's the whole system. All right, they don't have forensic scientists, they don't have lawyers, it's just, it's judges and witnesses. And that is a system that God put in place to bring justice to his people. So that those who are oppressed would find would find a would find justice would get what is due them they would get a fair shake and that oppression would be thwarted and so he starts out by talking to to witnesses because witnesses they actually have they have most of the power that you're tried and if if you have two witnesses that are speaking against you you're guilty that's pretty much the whole system and so witnesses can, can kind of overthrow the system that if you're a false witness, you can take this system that God is, is embracing for justice and you can turn it on its head and use it as a tool for injustice. To destroy people, to actually use the courts as, as the hand of, of murder and robbery and theft and, and destruction. And so God speaks to witnesses and he, he holds them and says, Speak, speak truly. Speak faithfully. Speak the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And he's so serious about this that for the witnesses who do bear false witness and it's found out that whatever they were accusing the other person of comes on their own head. So if, if you said, no, that they were a murderer, they deserve to die, that false accuser now deserves to die. We know that phrase, uh, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, an eye for an eye, a life for a life. That's actually part of this commandment. Now, it's in other places too, but it's, it's the, the judgment for false witnesses that whatever they throw to onto another person comes on their own head. The justice comes to get them. All right, and there's the other side. There's the other side. So we have witnesses and we have the judge. And part of this commandment is the laws for judges. The judges are to be just as God is just. That they are to seek the truth as, as God knows the truth. And so you see all these rules surrounding that. So you don't take bribes. Justice is not bought. God is not bought. You cannot buy off uh, the creator of the universe. All right, likewise, you're not supposed to make your judgment rashly, quickly, flippantly. That you have to have two witnesses. You can't just have one. If you only have one, no matter what they saw, you, you can't keep tried for that. You have to have two or three. All right. There's a system in place here. There's a system in place here. And the judge is supposed to make sure that if the whole community is turned against someone, that single individual still finds justice. That he, the judge is not a people pleaser. He doesn't give in to bribes. He doesn't judge harshly and rashly. That's what God has put in place to make sure that justice is given to his people. All right. So, what do we do with that? What do we do with that in our daily lives? How do we apply this passage? Now, the obvious stuff, the obvious stuff. Next time you are in a court and you are a witness... Be a true and faithful witness. Be a true and faithful witness. The next time you are a judge, 
judge justly. All right, so, so keep that in your back pocket just in case you're there. Uh, all right, that sounds like a really narrow interpretation. All right, when you're a judge, be just. When you're a witness, be true. But the reality is that we're in courtrooms every single day. That every single day, we act as witness. That we bear a testimony, we speak. That we tell stories of what has happened, that we retell things. That we give our perspective. And every day, we act as judge. We receive these stories and we, we make judgments about people. We form our opinions about them. We judge them, we condemn them, we let them off the hook. This happens every single day. All right, so one example, one example. You're hanging out with your friend, maybe you're hanging out with your spouse, and, and they come telling a story, telling a story. You wouldn't believe what Susie did today. That we had, we had to do this project and she, she turned her thing in late and now all the work's on me. And All right, this is, this is a, a witness coming to bear witness to the crime of Susie. All right, and, and who do you become? You are now the judge. You are now the judge. And you have a choice. Okay, do we, what do we do with Susie? Susie is the worst. Susie is the worst. Like, let's, let's root against Susie from now on. All right, she deserved to be fired. All right. All right, so what happened there? What was, that, what was that interaction? All right, Susie committed a crime, and that was her trial. That was her trial. Now, how, how just was this trial? All right, Susie wasn't even there. All right, so she, she wasn't represented by anyone. She didn't have a lawyer. All right, this witness, this is a biased, hostile witness. And... Had, had, had the judge's mind from the very beginning. The judge was totally biased, totally gave in, never asked a single question. There was no justice in this case, and yet, here is this accusation, a judgment, an unjust judgment. Yes, Susie is the worst. All right. This happens every single day. This happens every single day. Every single day, you are a witness, you are a judge. And so... What are some rules governing how you're supposed to be these things? All right. When you are a witness, you are called to be a faithful and true witness. An honest witness. So when you're a witness, first, first ask yourself the question. Am I actually a witness? Am I actually a witness? Did I see anything? Are there actual facts? Or is the whole thing just hearsay? Was someone else a witness and I'm just, I'm just pretending to have seen all this stuff? All right, are you a witness or not? Second, second, are you giving an honest retelling of the story? An honest retelling. All right, a true and honest retelling tells the whole thing as it actually went down as you know it to have gone down. All right, so what, what does not an honest retelling look like? Uh, you can say the same words, but a different tone. All right, Susie said, oh, no, I don't need your help. That's, thank you. And how do you tell it? I don't want your help. You know, so you make Susie this, this cruel and, and evil figure. You change the tone. All right, maybe you change the order so that it seems like you're, you're, you're the victim when really you started the whole thing. You started aggressive. 
Maybe you leave out the incriminating details. All right, so there's things that you said first. You were mean yourself, but you kind of leave and cut that stuff out to make yourself look good. All right, that's a false testimony. That's bearing false witness. All right, third, third, and this is the hardest one. What's your real motivation as the witness? What's your real motivation? Are you seeking justice? Or are you seeking judgment or bitterness? Are you seeking entertainment? That you're a bored witness, so you're making up testimonies. All right, we are witnesses every day. Are we following these, these guidelines? All right, second, second. Every day, you are a judge. You are a judge every single day. And when you are judged, you seek the justice of the people. Now, what should Susie's friend have said in that situation? Like, not, not the, the person's friend, the unnamed friend, the judge. The judge should have said, why, why are we even talking about this? Or, I don't think we have enough information to judge Susie. Let's let her off the hook. We don't actually know. Maybe we don't know her motivation. All right. Do you question the witness? As a judge, when you are the judge, do you question the witness? Do you actually seek the whole story? Is that really what they said? What are you trying to get out of this? We don't just eat up the whole story and, and take it for granted. Are you being bribed in this situation? Are you being bribed by your friendship? Are you being bribed by, by people pleasing? Are you giving in to the crowd? Are you a just judge? And that's where we start to see that a lot of the conversations we have are not really giving justice to people. That it's gossip, that it's one person bearing a testimony, and we shouldn't be, build any judgments off of them. But we do because it's, it's fun to do it. We like condemning people. We like being the judge. And that's where, okay, uh, general rule, general rule. It's in scripture. It's actually the, the mark of love is to assume the best about people. To assume the best. Now, what does it mean to assume the best? All right, so if you don't have enough information, you can jump to conclusions and you can jump to a whole list of conclusions from extremely innocent to extremely nefarious. All right, so what, what was their motivation on this list? And, okay, they were just tired, they were hungry, uh, their mom just died, all this stuff, all this stuff. But what do we tend to do? We like the juicy ones that make them into the villains. And we pick this one that, that is the most vindictive, the least gracious. We assume the worst. We're called to assume the best, the very best. That that's actually the way of love, not just justice. It's a way of love. 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It bears all things, believes all things, it hopes all things, it hopes for the best. And it assumes that you are innocent until, until you've proven otherwise. That's what we owe to people. We owe to that to people as, as their judge. All right. Other courtroom situations. Other courtroom situations. All right. There's, 
There's times when you end up in the courtroom when there is no real court there. It's fake, and you've created it. All right, so when you're telling a story, when you're telling a story, you're telling this innocent story, and suddenly the people in front of you don't become people, they become judges. You've transformed them into judges, and now you have to please them. And you're afraid of them. That is fear of man. That's people pleasing. And suddenly the story starts to change. The fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger. The story gets grander and grander and grander, and you, you find, keep finding $20 on the, you know, oh, it's such a great story. It, all right, that's just people pleasing. It's false witness to please people because you've turned them into judges. It can happen the other way too, where people turn you into a judge and they try to get you to please them. Like, Isn't my baby adorable? Right, that's tough. That's tough. You're like, okay, oh. Uh, <laughs> do I bear false witness right now? All right. Uh, <laughs> like, isn't this hamburger delicious? And you're like looking at this piece of charcoal on a bun and like, oh, yeah. All right. This is where, where you will be tried to turn into a judge, turn into a witness. And the whole thing is just a facade. You're not, you're not really, no one's on trial. All right, we're called to actually kill those courts to kill them and like, I don't need to pass judgment on this. This is not my place. I'm not the judge. I, I'm not a witness to you. You are not judging me. It's fine. People pleasing is not the answer. And to lie and to bear false judgment and say like, oh, I was trying to protect their feelings. Like, no, you're putting the feelings of people above the feelings of God, above, above his law. That's what we're really doing. All right. Uh, other situations. All right. When you're a parent, when you're a parent, and you're acting as judge before your kids. All right. There's two. There's two kind of judges here. There's the lazy judge and the harsh judge. All right. The lazy judge. The lazy judge, like, just doesn't do anything. Never does anything. There's no justice in this system. People are oppressed. People are destroying one another. And it's just, just you know, it's fine. It's fine. They'll figure it out. All right. Then there's the, the unjust, harsh judge who, if you come to me with a problem, you will be punished whether you did anything or not. All right. Both of these, both of these are, are, not, are not justice. All right. I know that being a judge is annoying. And it takes time, and you have to figure out what the heck happened, and the little kids are liars. They, they all are. We all get that. All right, but, but you're still called to be a faithful judge. All right, they shouldn't see you as this tyrant or as like a, a lazy judge who just swinks at their sin and, and lets them go by. All right, uh, last one, last one. Where you're in a fight with another person. You're in a fight with them. This is hard because... You are called to be two things. You are called to be a faithful witness and you're called to be a just judge. All at the same time with yourself. All right, that's what a fight is. That's why they're so hard and that's why we get, get into bad situations with them. All right, so if when you're fighting with another person, you are supposed to be a faithful, true witness to your own heart. To your own heart. And if you're fighting about something that you said and it was taken the wrong way, if it was said innocently, okay, you can, you can say that. But if it wasn't an innocent comment, if in your heart there was bitterness and anger and resentment, 
and it was meant to sting, you as a true and faithful witness are, are supposed to call that out. You're supposed to admit that. You're supposed to bear your, your sinful heart to the person you're fighting with because otherwise you're not telling the whole story. That's what's required in this commandment. That we'd fully expose our hearts and, and give each other the truth. All right, that's hard. Second, <laughs> second, we're supposed to be just judges. So we're supposed to actually hear out the other person. Hear their side of the story. And then judge ourselves according to it. All right, you don't get to be a biased judge so that you win the fight. No, the same rules should apply to both of you. That if they, if they have a secret heart motivation that you're finding, you should also look for the secret heart motivation in you. And it goes both ways. You should actually want to hear them out and give them justice, not win the fight. That's what this looks like. All right. What does this reveal in you and me and our hearts? All right. We are false witnesses and we are unjust judges. That if we're actually honest with ourselves, we don't love justice. What we love, we love is being on top. That we want justice when we're right. We want injustice when we're wrong. In injustice. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got that. You got that right? Thank you. Such grace. Such <laughs> grace and mercy. <laughs> All right. And that's what we're actually called in this commandment, like to... If we, are, if we keep it, we will be destroyed by it. We will be destroyed by it. That you will have to open your, your heart up to people and they'll have to see the actual sin that's inside. And that we are honest with ourselves, we are not very nice. And our motives are actually really bad. And that if we are completely honest, we would be destroyed by it. And if we admitted the lies that we keep it'd be an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. We'd be utterly destroyed by this. All right. So how do we change the system? How do we think differently so that we can keep this commandment, so we want to? Because oftentimes we don't, we don't want to put the truth out there because it condemns us. So how do we keep it? How do we keep it? I hope you know the solution by now. All right. We look at Jesus. We look at Jesus. Now, who is Jesus? Jesus is the, the ultimate and true judge. He is the true judge. And he, he knows all things. He sees that the, the state of our heart. He perfectly knows. He knows all the things we try to hide from everyone else. He sees our hearts. He sees the wickedness and the sin there. All right, but in his response to that, he came down to be the judge with us. To walk with us. To be with us in our weakness. To be with us in our, in our failings. To hear us out. One on one, face to face, with humanity. So he would judge us fairly. He's a gracious judge. He's a, he's a condescending judge. He comes to be with us. But he's also a very honest judge. Alright, Jesus is not a people pleaser. And he's not just a smiley guy. All right, so when, when, you go to the, the, when he goes to dinner parties, 
what you're supposed to say is like, this food is good. Thanks so much for having me. All right, what does Jesus say? When everyone takes their seat, Jesus looks around and says, interesting. Interesting that everyone fought for the best seats. What does that say about these people? Or he looks around at the dinner party and he says, look, there's no poor people here. I wonder why there's no poor people here. Maybe you only invite people to your parties so that they can invite you to their parties. All right, Jesus is rude. He is outright rude, but he is honest because sometimes that's the only way to, you have to be rude to be honest sometimes. Jesus sees the state of people's hearts. He called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. He is honest. He is brutally honest sometimes. But he is honest because so he can be gracious. He is honest so he can be gracious. That he sees the woman of the well's sin so that he can, he can offer her living water. So that he can actually give people what they need. Alright, so what did Jesus do? Jesus came, Jesus came, and he get, took all of the injustice upon himself. He went to the trial. And what was this trial like? Okay, so everyone gathered around. Alright, people were bribed to accuse him. False witnesses came up, and they, they said that he was trying to destroy Caesar, that he was trying to start his own kingdom, that he was blaspheming God. That he was a liar. And then when he went before the judge, the judge, Pontius Pilate. And what did Pontius Pilate say? Say that is the should have been the, the verdict. I have founded him no grounds for the death penalty. He knew that Jesus didn't deserve to die. But why did he do it? Because the crowd wanted him to do it. He was a people pleaser. He was a biased, people-pleasing judge, convicted by false witnesses for crimes he did not commit. He took all of this injustice upon himself so that he could give us justice. So that God could be, could be the, the just judge and not destroy us. That's the beauty of what Jesus did. At no point can we say that Jesus just winked at sin, that he was that parent who just, oh, it doesn't really matter. No. He saw our sins, he saw us as we are, and he died for our sins. He took the judgment. And now he can call us perfect. He calls you perfect in, in him. Now you have to get comfortable with that. Perfect. And you're, you're just saying, like, I'm not perfect. That's the whole point. No, you, you are perfect in Jesus. When you stand before him, you are perfect. There's nothing you bear before him. You are perfect by the blood of Christ. That you have received your justice. That Jesus Christ has taken your punishment. There's nothing left for you. There's nothing left for you. Now you have already been to the court. You have already been judged. And so, some applications of this. First, get out of the courtroom. All right, you don't need to be in the courtroom every day asking God if you deserve judgment. You don't need to be in the courtroom of people. You don't need to be asking their judgments. You don't need to be pleasing them. 
get out of the courtroom. The, the true judge has come and he has called you perfect. Get out of the courtroom. All right, second. This should change what kind of witness you are. It should change what kind of witness you are. That when you're a witness, you're a witness to the good in people. That you're a gracious witness. That because when Jesus came, he saw your sin, but he gave you grace. Go behind people's back and say nice things about them. That's what this looks like. That you speak well of people, that you encourage people, that you're not trying to find justice for yourself. You're trying to build people up and give them grace. All right, this should change what kind of judge you are. That you are not just looking for this bare judgment and justice and trying to get people what they deserve. No, you're trying to give people grace. That your judge came to give you grace and now you are the gracious judge. That even if you can condemn people, even if it would be just to condemn people, you don't because you haven't been condemned. Now that gives us the ability to be honest with ourselves. All right, you can, you can admit that your, your hearts are wicked. You can admit and be honest about it. Because the policy is, the more that you give to Jesus, the more that's forgiven. And all that Jesus asks is, just be honest. Be honest about how messed up you are, and I will forgive it. You'll be perfected by your honesty, not destroyed by it. Give that to one another. That when your spouse admits that their heart is wicked, you don't destroy them for it, you give them grace. That they can say that, because you can say it too. We're replacing this system of just justice with grace and love. That that's what we've received, that's what we give. That's kind of witnesses and judges we are. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that that you are honest and you are true and that you don't lie to us. You don't lie to us about our sin. You don't just tell us that we're good, but you you tell us as we actually are that, that we desperately need you, and then you make a way for it. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for, for bearing the injustice of humanity. Father, we recognize that, that we received your testimony, we received your witness, and, and we have... We've used it to destroy you, and yet, Father, you have great grace for us. Father, I ask that we have great joy in Jesus. That we love him and rejoice in him. And Father, that we would rejoice in, in the truth of our own sin, because we know that it's forgiven. That we seek more than just justice, but that we give grace to people. For the glory of Jesus' name we pray. Amen.